Welcome to Smash or Pass, episode 12, part of the Smash Accept network of podcasts. Guys, it is draft season, and that is the most exciting time of the year. I want to welcome in our new co-host, you know, no longer in the guest chair, complete co-host, talking about running backs today. No better person to bring on than my man, FF Snoog. How you doing tonight, brother? How about Jameer Gibbs? How about that Jameer <laughs> Gibbs, baby? Top 12 draft capital. Absolutely. I can't wait. I love talking running back, especially this time of the year when a lot of people start to fade that position because it's not in need at the right time. But this is your time to buy your running backs in your leagues, and we're going to help you figure out which running backs you need to sell and which ones you need to buy. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing right now, right? Like the dynasty landscape as far as running backs has changed completely. We knew it was going to because we knew this class was was going to be special. We talked about free agency, but man, like I put my rankings out there and I know yours and I are are very similar and we're progressive with it. I mean, like we have Jameer Gibbs in the in the top 4 running backs when it comes to dynasty and the blowback I got from the dynasty community, you know, and we're going to break that down. It's we want to be at smash except we want to be ahead of the curve, right? We don't want to be that guy that has Christian McCaffrey as the RB1 way too long. We want to be ahead of the curve and kind of help you guys out with that. So, tonight's show, we're really going to just talk about the new dynasty landscape. We're going to break down the rookies. Uh, if you guys aren't subscribed to the Patreon already, I spent like my whole day today going through their positional rankings, doing all of the rookies, getting all the tiers in there so you guys can absolutely smash your rookie drafts. So let's start. I mean, without further ado, the RB1, it hasn't changed. Bijan Robinson, since the last time we talked, got drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. And, and some people are debating, eh, should he be the RB1? Should he be the 101? The answer to both is absolutely yes. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons, Snoog, you couldn't have gotten a better landing spot unless maybe... Philadelphia or Cincinnati, but Atlanta is a fantastic landing spot for B. John Robinson. Let's just talk about how far he is off from your RB2 in 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 Dynasty. You know, like we know he's the RB1. How much difference is it between the RB1 and the RB2? Yeah, there's got to be a pretty big gap now because you got to look at Brees Hall towards ACL. He's got some miles on him. Jonathan Taylor has some miles on him. So he's coming in fresh legs. Fresh start, 21 years old, and a great offense. Pound the rock, Arthur Smith. That's how he likes to play and run his offense. So Bijan's playing behind a very solid offensive line with no good, no good quarterback play. But you got London and Pitts on the outside stretching the field. So Bijan's going to be a 300-plus touch guy from the get. So he's, he's dynasty RB1, and it's not close in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, people are asking me, if I want to go from Brees Hall to Bijan Robinson, what do I got to add? And I'm like, it's probably a 24 first and a 24 third flip-flop, right? So you get like Bijan and a 24 third for Brees Hall and a 24 first. If you are if you get that trade today, I mean, is that a smash or pass for you? So you have Bijan and I come to you and I'm like, hey, man, let's go. I'm going to give you Brees Hall and a 24 first. Let's say it's like 1-9. Yeah, I think you have to smash that just because of how fragile the running back position is. 
you never really know. They're always getting injured and stuff. So you kind of get a rad Brees Hall, another elite running back in the landscape. And then you get the 24 first on top that could end up being a I, top six first. You get it, man. That's what I talk about. And throughout this, we're going to talk about the tiers, but insulated trades when it comes to running backs is everything. In the past, we've done it where we, you know, several years ago, we were saying sell, you know, it was like at that in 2020, it was, you know, sell Saquon Barkley for Jonathan Taylor in a first when he was a rookie. And then it was sell Jonathan Taylor for Najee Harris in a first. And then it was sell Najee Harris for Brees Hall in a first. Now it's, you know, sell Brees Hall for maybe Jameer Gibbs in a first, but that pa- that's already passed, you know? So it's like whenever you can insulate, whenever you can add value and anybody in this first tier and try to try to move forward, Brees Hall sounds like he's going to be there day one. You know, it sounds like it, a lot of people were worried saying, oh, well, I, I think he might, you know, miss some games and do so. It, it sounds like day one, he's going to be the guy. And the difference between Bijan and Brees, Brees Hall, we saw what he could do at the NFL level. And the way he played over that five-game stretch was absolutely elite. You know, he was putting up those numbers, still just 22 years old. Is there even a debate that you can have Jonathan Taylor or Brees or or Jameer Gibbs over Brees Hall right now? I think you could debate it. But in terms of Brees versus JT, Brees has that like 50, 60-plus catch upside. And the addition of Rodgers, that offense is going to be slamming in two-yard touchdowns and constantly getting red zone opportunities. So... And he's not going to have a quarterback rushing for 10 touchdowns in year one. (laughs) We're going to have like a extremely better version of Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones was super active in the passing game. Now you, you mix in what Brees Hall's able to do between the tackles. Um, Since you and you know, you're our rookie expert. Abanaconda comes into the jets. How do you see that shaking out? Is he going to be getting a lot more of the receiving work? Is he going to just be a guy that, you know, comes in maybe an 80, 20 split? What do you see him going? And he's someone that I'm scooping up. I've got him at three Oh two earlier today. I feel like if he's anywhere in that late second round to early third, especially as a Brees hall owner, he is a must handcuff. Cause we talked about this class has produced some elite level handcuffs. And I think Abanaconda is just another one of those. Yeah, th- that's what he is for me, too. I-, I think he'll maybe be like in an 85-15 split. Like mm-hmm. Once he gets his feet wet, he'll start putting up five, six, maybe eight touches a game. But they're going to use him as that change of pace guy, and they're going to get him in space and use his speed as an advantage. Kind of that one cut and go, change up pace guy to give Brees a rest on the sideline. Because Brees is one of those guys that can command 25, 30 touches on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. So he's going to maybe face small injuries, fight through them, be banged up all year. You're going to need to use a band of Canada at some point along with Michael Carter. So they're just going to be handcuffs for me, but Izzy's 20 years old and he was an elite athlete. So they're going to definitely use him. You don't draft the running back in the fifth round. If you have Brees Hall for no reason. Yeah. And I think he gets, maybe they ease Brees in a little bit and he gets a little bit more early until he takes off. Jonathan Taylor's one I'm getting a lot of questions on right now, bro. Cause I, I hear it where it's like, yes, Jonathan Taylor two years ago was the 106. He is what we were talking about. Bijan Robinson is now. And there, that's another reason why you insulate for your running backs, because now he's fallen into that 206 range after a, a down season. Now they get Anthony Richardson. So my question to you is, is Anthony Richardson coming to Indianapolis? Is that better for Jonathan Taylor? Or is Anthony Richardson going to be kind of like Jalen Hurts? I mean, you look at the way that the Eagles and, and we have the same, you know, the offensive coordinator goes over there. He wants to run things in a similar type sense. Is this an area where, you know, Anthony Richardson's going to snipe eight to 10 rushing touchdowns? I mean, is that coming away from Jonathan Taylor's production? Or is the fact that Anthony Richardson's 
you know, his completion percentage and his potential shortcomings might mean they run the ball more between the two of them. See, that could go either way. Um, I, I definitely don't think it hurts Jonathan Taylor, but it definitely doesn't help him. So I, I kind of, he just stays neutral for me. He's still going to be a guy that touches the ball 300 times in a year. He'll probably get less receiving work than he did last year, which is not a good sign. He'll probably be like a 30, 25 catch guy. So that's kind of what limits his upside is he needs to have an 1800 yard, 18 touchdown season to be a top three guy. And that's where it gets a little tough with Jonathan Taylor, but Richardson's going to help open up the field. They added some good weapons on the outside. So that offense is going to overall improve a ton. And especially with Steichen coming in, they're going to have a lot of good plays, a lot of good scheme They he can cater things around Richardson's strength. So I, I would assume Jonathan Taylor is going to still get a majority of those red zone opportunities and definitely be a top five running back next year. So we have, you know, and since we're talking running backs, I mean, they obviously go out and they add Evan Hull in the fifth round. Um, someone who, you know, has 88 receptions over the last two years at Northwestern. So he's going to be a nice, you know, almost kind of, to me, fall, falls into that Naheem Hines role that they had, where he's someone that I've been scooping up everywhere in the mid to late third, where I think he could have some sneaky, interesting PPR value. You know, I don't think he's a guy that's going to really eat into Jonathan Taylor, but he becomes the the premium backup to that position. What can people expect from, from a guy like Hull? I mean, I, I know he's under the radar for a lot of our listeners. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that's kind of where the Jonathan Taylor upside gets capped because they brought in a really good receiving back who who did good in college, not only as a receiver, but he was a pretty decent rusher too. So he's going to come in in that Hines role again. And we, we saw what happened with Jonathan Taylor his rookie year when Hines was there. And even his second year, he kind of just limited his upside. So Jonathan Taylor's still elite. He's still a top five dynasty running back, but bringing in Hall in the fifth round. He's, he's definitely get utilized as that Danny Woodhead type role in that offense eventually and catch maybe 40 passes, 50 passes, who knows, but he's definitely going to get used in that area of the game. So now let's, this is the part of the show that you really wanted to talk about anyways. So now we get to both of our RB fours. I've been criticized about this so hard, but I would rather be ahead of the curve than, than be behind. You know, you look at the guys that have gotten top 12 draft capital over the over the past couple of years. You look at, you know, your Todd Gurley's, your Saquon Barkley's, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, it is rarefied air where Jameer Gibbs went. He went top 12. No matter what you say, you know, two guys have not done that for the past seven years. This is someone that if you look at, and I know Zoltan and you have been, you know, digging deep onto this. It's almost a lock that we're looking at an RB1 within two years, if not this year already. I would not be shocked if he finished top eight, top five this year at all. He's going into an offense with an elite offensive line, a check down veteran quarterback, competing with David Montgomery. I know people bring that up like that's something to be worried about. That's the least of my worries is David Montgomery. He's not a great goal linebacker. Like people act like, oh, he's going to get. 10 rushing touchdowns and Jameer is not going to touch the ball in the red zone. Jameer Gibbs is someone you give a toss to on the one yard line and make him make a guy miss. You don't just stuff Dave Montgomery up the middle. So I, I think they bringing him in 12th overall. I think they have a plan for him. They actually traded back to snipe him in the draft. So they're going to have a plan for him. They're going to use his speed. 
they seem super hyped about getting him, which super made me hyped. Hyped. They broke the table, man. Yeah. Like I think their GM was the only person more excited than you when they when they when Gibbs yeah. went that high. Yeah. The the information yeah. I want to share, and this is credit to Zoltan. Uh, there's been 22 running backs taken in the top 12 since 2000. Mm-hmm. 21 of those 22 have had a top 24 season. So we're talking. There is a 95 percent chance that he'll have. ARB two season 18 put up a top 12 season. That's an 82% that he's going to be in that RB one discussion. 12 put up a top six season. That's a 55% chance Four had the RB one overall season. You look at where those guys were in their first two seasons and 17 of them had a top 24 season. 12 of them had a top 12. This is a guy that you just, you don't want to be behind on the curve. If I'm coming to you right now, and this is very similar. So we talked about you weren't quite there. If you have B. John Robinson and I offer you Gibbs and a random 24 first, smash or pass? Smash. Right? Like yeah. six months ago, we were not there. Yeah. Tell yeah. people why they should be there now. Like, because that's that's the difficult situation. It's just the upside. And the off people try to downgrade his landing spot. And it drives me insane because there is no better spot that I would have wanted him to land. He went 12th overall in the first round. Elite offensive everything. O-line, great. He has good quarterback play, veteran quarterback. Loves to dump it off. Swift caught 50, 60-plus passes in his first three seasons in limited games. So he missed games. So he could have been like an 80-plus reception guy in three straight seasons and been an RB1. Yeah. Jameer Gibbs is better than DeAndre Swift. So if you can get that that as a floor, what Swift did, plus a, plus a good mid 24 first for Bijan. I think you have to take that, especially with Jameer Gibbs's upside as a 4-3 runner. So he's going to be electric in that offense, and I'm excited for it. I have not had to do that in my drafts because my four four Bijan teams, I got four Gibbs as well. And three of those four, I have Brees Hall already. So like those teams are going to be juggernauts, absolutely. Uh, The guy that used to be in that range, and I know – we talk about tier two, and for me, Jameer Gibbs is that number one in tier two. I have Christian McCaffrey, five, Travis Etienne, six, Saquon Barkley, seven in this. And I think these are guys, these are league-winning upside players. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's older, but you have to, if he's the RB1 in redraft, for me, no questions asked. You know, and that's why at his age, like you, you're playing on that short window. I have no problem with anybody, you know, really wanting Christian McCaffrey. I would not trade Gibbs or Etienne for McCaffrey to try to try to get into that area, but I would not suggest trying to get off Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, when healthy, is 30 points a game. You know, this is a guy that, like, you know as well as I do, he wins you championships. The pitfall here is, man, if he gets injured, like a year and a half ago, you could not trade him in Dynasty because he was coming off, you know, coming off his ACL tear and no one wanted him. Now all of a sudden he's gotten back there. Same with Saquon Barkley. Both of these guys have recouped their value, but 26, 27 years old, should we be considering trying to get, you know, if you can move around in this tier and get anything on top of Gibbs, move that, anything on top of ETN for Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley? Yeah, so I actually have ETN over Christian McCaffrey, so I would do that swap one for one. Personally, I'm a big ETN guy, but... I think McCaffrey and Saquon are kind of at this point, like when Camaro was there, like they're producing at a high elite level. So you either ride them out, mm-hmm. try to take advantage of flipping them for a lesser, lesser back plus value. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of, we'll get into our tier four guys in a second here, but I'm going to try to flip maybe McCaffrey for one of our tier four guys, pick your favorite and get a 24 first or like some seconds on top or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, you nailed it. San Fran knows how to use McCaffrey in moderation and he's just producing at an elite level with super hyper efficient play. So you can't fade what he's doing. He's 26 years old. His time's going to come to an end, but if you look at dynasty in the short window, like that three year window, that's crucial. And if you can get two more RB one overall seasons or top three seasons worth every penny. Saquon Barkley is another interesting one because a lot of people have him way too low. Like I have him in this tier and I, I got a couple people saying, Hey, he doesn't belong there. He absolutely does. And the biggest thing out of that draft that, that sticks out to me is, is Jalen Hyatt. You have an opportunity to finally stretch the field where they could not stretch the field at all. I mean, Daniel Jones was throwing, you know, short to intermediate routes to Darius Slayton, to Wandale Robinson, to guys that got to be near the, the, you know, the line of scrimmage. Now so we could stretch it out a little bit. Saquon had a phenomenal season last year. I think we could see a better season this year. And I think he's one of my, ultimately these guys in this range, it's just, if you can get a little bit on top, ETN's your guy, and I'm really coming around. And I think you're gonna. I made a trade. I gotta, you know, gotta go over this one here real quick because it was on the clock. I got. Uh, I had Kenneth Walker on the team, you know, and I that that crushed my heart. We're gonna talk about him in a little bit. But I traded AJ Brown, Kenneth Walker, and Gus Edwards, and I got ETN, T Higgins, and Jordan Addison. So I, I love needed to, that. That's a smash for me. I needed to retool a little bit, and I got three guys that I think could be immediate producers at an elite level. Absolutely. So yeah. that's a smash for me. Etn side, I love that. Love I also I, like I, what you were saying about Saquon. He was one of my most drafted running backs last year, and the offense only got better. They added Hyatt. They added Waller. Wandell is going to be mm -hmm. fresh and healthy. They added some decent role players there. They drafted a lineman. That team's ready to roll, and Saquon's in the best offense he'll ever play in in his career, and he's at that prime 26-year-old age where they have those top-end seasons. So top three for Saquon this year, I would not be shocked at all. He's actually my go-to buy in Dynasty right now and on your competing teams, like you said, because he is being overlooked and people are undervaluing him. So the top seven, kind of like our top six in Superflex right now, is pretty chalk, right? Now we get to this, this next tier, and I had Kenneth Walker up there. You obviously cannot after the news, but let's look at this next tier because this is, I think, where you start to really separate the men from the boys. You got Josh Jacobs, who was the the RB one overall last year. Uh, you got Austin Eckler, who, you know, or actually Austin Eckler was the RB one. Josh Jacobs had the most rushing yards. So I mean, both of those guys, absolute ballers in that area. I have moved Tony Pollard into that area because I think he is one of, if not the biggest winner. Him and Ramondre Stevenson about not getting anybody added there. I think if you bought them. It, it there were times about two months ago you could buy them for that 110, 111. I think both are in that 107, 108 range. And I have Kenneth Walker in here just because of the talent. But this area here is where you really got to try to make make some money. You know, this is where you're, if you're moving off of McCaffrey or Barkley and you're trying to get a little bit extra, who's the guy out of this group that you're like, I want this guy plus? I'm fine with Jacobs, Pollard, and Stevenson out of that crew. So my tier four, eight through 12 is not in order. I just have it in, in a tier. Jacobs, Ramondre, Pollard, Najee, and Javante. So, and, and I have Najee at 13. So yep. he's also in that tier. I, I'm dead. I'm, I'm right there with you. I just, I wanted to make it like, 
when you put a graphic out, you put the new Dynasty Top 13. Yeah. Like that just doesn't, yeah, doesn't yeah. sound as cool. Yeah. So I'm with you. Yeah. So let's let's start about Jacobs. I think Jacobs is what 26 years old. If you take away, if you look at his production profile over the years, he's been fantastic. I mean, he's been mm -hmm. a fringe RB1 to this year, a high-end RB1, and is one of the safer guys in Dynasty. Absolutely. Most leagues, they haven't caught up to his value. I, I value him right at 107. You know, I think this whole group here is 107 to 109. I think if you can get Jacobs in that range at 26 years old, he could have another two years with this kind of elite production and is still not quite valued. I think you could actually get Jacobs plus a, you know, maybe an early second for Saquon Barkley and you're not losing a ton of production. Yeah. So this tier, especially Jacobs hit that like 40, 50 plus reception threshold that I have on my running backs last year. Mm -hmm. This whole tier has that upside. I think Pollard has the chance to be 2021 Austin Eckler with the, um, um, with Zeke gone. I know they yes. added Deuce, Deuce Vaughn's interesting, but Pollard's going to kind of be that lead back. He's, he's going to get a ton of opportunity. They didn't really add anybody besides Brandon Cook. So he has that extreme upside in the receiving game like that 50 60 plus range same with Ramondre stevenson so jacobs is definitely he's top of the tier for me as of right now um he's fresh he, he just came off a crazy career year he's gonna build off that car gone fresh start you got jimmy g in he likes to throw the check down so jacobs is gonna be a great buy as of right now, and he's going to produce again next year and the following. So yeah, and you add like that 10, 15 receptions on there, and he's the RB one overall. Not even a question. Mm -hmm. um, Austin Eckler was the RB one overall. Now twenty seven years old. You know he's getting up there in age. I think he turns twenty eight in season. And to me, and I have an article coming out as the biggest dynasty sells. I said it a year early. I said Eckler was one of my biggest sells last year, and it's just when they hit that age cliff. If I could, and I believe you could right now, get Tony Pollard or Ramondre Stevenson and a second for Austin for Austin Eckler. I think you could, you know, definitely move in that area, and that's something that I'm I'm trying to do everywhere because I think he's a phenomenal talent. And for redraft, he's top three running backs for sure. And if you're a win now team, I have no problem with you trying to do that. But what I try to do sometimes, even on those win nows, is let's start insulating a little bit. Like the difference between the ceiling of Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson this year is fantastic both of those could be top five running backs and mm -hmm. i would not be shocked by that at all nope definitely those are two guys those are gonna be my go-to guys I, I drafted both of them in my home redraft league last year and they carried me so i got them super late in the in the redraft world but definitely eckler is one of those guys that i i don't have him anywhere i'm not gonna touch him i'm yeah. moving off him if i can to be honest i i think his time's coming sooner than later um I, I don't even think he's that great of a player. I think it's more his situation, and he's, he's kind of forced situation. into that opportunity. Yep. Yeah, so like I, if Alvin Kamara was on that team, Alvin Kamara would be the RB1 as well. So it's hard for me to kind of bite that bullet because obviously Eckler's producing and Kamara's not, but Eckler's not my top 12. If you can move off of him for any of those guys in our tier four and get a plus on top, I'm smashing that all day. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about that because for me, the way I do my tiers is current dynasty market value, and I update my tiers a lot, and you, I know you're familiar with that. And some people base it off of talent. How do you like to do that? Because right now, I mean, Austin Eckler in his startup goes in that same range. So as far as assessing that, are you are you more predictive on that? And 
By the way, I saw the the, the smash T-shirt looking, got that swag looking good. <laughs> Absolutely, it just it just popped up there. I had to say it. Absolutely, <laughs> um, yeah, I like to predict that kind of on on skill and path to volume situation, okay. and it's also age adjusted heavily for the running back position. So I think the oldest guy in this tier is probably Nigel Harris or Josh yeah. Jacobs, who are twenty five years old. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine with keeping it young, keeping it fresh, clear path to volume. That's all that matters for running back. And these guys are all very talented. They all have that receiving upside. You're not going to be in my top 12 if you don't have that receiving upside unless you're Jonathan Taylor. So that's definitely how I like to weigh it. I try to steer with what I see, what I know, and kind of put that in the tiers because it helps me value the players accordingly and kind of all in the same way so if i have josh jacobs and javante williams in tier two and someone offers me javante in a 24 second for josh jacobs i know i can pivot to that a guy i have in the same tier and get a plus on top to better my roster somewhere else so i like it a lot Najee harris is a a fun one because he's one of my biggest buys as well you know like he was banged up last year and people aren't paying attention to that and he is a he's he's what he's that dog you know he's gonna go out there every week no matter what you know we got some of these other guys here like ah i've got a little bit of tweak here and there he's gonna play no matter what and he was dealing with a, a whole slew of ailments last year kenny pickett towards the end started targeting him again you know you look at Najee harris's uh season before that was a PPR machine because he was getting those dump offs and he was getting that kind of stuff. If we can start to see that reception level go back up to where it was, this is a guy that becomes an amazing buy. A lot of people in the dynasty community have written him off because we we were buying him last year in a mid second in a startup. Now all of a sudden he's a value. He's going around six, seven, and that's just absolute smash value. Yeah, I've been drafting him everywhere, and I've been trading for him in a lot of my contending teams. He's 25 years old. You kind of got to use that as a little bit of a red flag that he's already 25, but you can guarantee one thing going into next year, and that's Najee Harris getting 300 touches in that offense. 100%. He, he was banged he didn't even up. Add he, anything. He, I think he still hit 300 touches, and he was playing with a metal mm-hmm. plate in his foot because he got a limb fracture injury. So, and that's not an injury to mess around with. That keeps people well for years. So, yeah, Najee Harris, he's gonna get volume like crazy next year i'm expecting that whole offense to get us up stick broderick jones stud offensive tackle out of georgia they drafted another offensive lineman so they they fixed that hole they've had one of the worst offensive lines i've ever seen in my life the past two years while he's been there so i think it's going to be nice for Nigel to kind of see green grass for once and i think he's going to make something out of it yeah, they, they had a horrible <laughs> offensive line to go with that. You're right. So the tricky guy in this situation and the guy that I, you know, I had as high as my RB4 before, you know, Gibbs was drafted and things like that is Kenneth Walker. I mean, Kenneth Walker, you have to make adjustments, you know, as we try to do that at Smash Accept and as an analyst, you don't, you can't be like, oh, well, he's still that. He's clearly not. Now you have an area where Charbonnet comes in, a super talented running back taken in the second round. You know, is there going to be a 65-35 type split, 60-40? I mean, Charbonnet is very talented. and is probably going to play those third downs more because he was a guy that you and I both kind of comped very similar to like James Conner. He can kind of do it all. Where Kenneth Walker is kind of a more first and second down. This is an area where, you know, like if I am the – I didn't draft a lot of Charbonnet. If I own Kenneth Walker, I'm drafting Charbonnet with the idea of if one of them goes down, the other one becomes – 
a top 12 running back for that season, but I think they're going to vulture each other out quite a bit because they're very similar players. I mean, it's not like Seattle went out and went and got Devin A-Chain, which would have been a beautiful compliment. They went and got very similar player in, in Zach Charbonnet. Yeah, I'm actually not too worried about Zach Charbonnet. I know the draft capital says otherwise, but he's not an explosive guy and he's not fast at all. He's not a great athlete. I know people try to say he is, but he's not. He's not nearly close to the athlete as Kenneth Walker. And I think Kenneth Walker is a better pure runner, more explosive runner, gets gets outside better. He's very quick and fast and agile between the tackles. And that's all that Zach Charbonnet lacks. But Charbonnet is that grinder. He's going to get you those extra yards when you need them. And if you, if you want someone to get you a third and three, you're going to put Charbonnet in and Charbonnet is a better receiving back. He's not the best in the world though. Like he's not a guy you're going to put on a wheel route. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's like, he'll catch swing routes and stuff. So I think people are overreacting to that situation. I think Kenneth Walker is a buy. Zach Charbonnet doesn't wow me at all, but he's a really stud solid running back. Like we said, James Connor. What would but you I don't be willing think the level of player yeah. as Kenneth Walker? So that's what why. Would you be, what would you be willing to pay for Kenneth Walker right now? I think that's the interesting thing. I get questions all the time. Like, Dad, what are you paying? I, I'm seeing people selling for a random 24 first. I'm seeing them sell for like the 110. He was up to like 103 value. I said if you can get him at 110, where you're debating between Zay Flowers, Kendra Miller, and in and, and that area, absolutely. I think 107. I'd still rather have Addison. 18. One nine. If it's not tight end premium, maybe I could say one nine because man, I got Kincaid everywhere. I'm so pumped. I got him in almost every league. But I mean, if that's that area, what's the value when you're talking Kenneth Walker? I know one thing. I'm taking Kendra Miller over Zach Charbonnet. So if that speaks for itself, pre-draft and post-draft. But Kenneth Walker's my RB thirteen. Like you said, I'm not going to say, oh, here's my top thirteen running back ranking. So he's right after these guys. He doesn't have the same receiving upside, but he could be a 1,200-yard rusher easy. Charbonnet's like going to play. They took him in the second round. He's going to play. I just mm-hmm. don't think he's that level of a player to just completely erase Kenneth Walker. Walker's the better player. He's going to get the majority of the touches, but Charbonnet's going to be like a 10 to 12-carry guy, and he's going to get the receiving work. So it's going to be annoying, but Kenneth Walker is good enough to pop those 70-yard runs like we saw against the Saints and stuff like that. He's just an elite athlete and an elite playmaker. So don't write off Kenneth Walker. If, if you're shipping out the 110 for him, I'm smashing that all day. I like it. You know, when we talk about running backs, so many teams are running with two running backs or three running backs or a committee. The next two guys, I kind of have slightly above the next tier. They're not quite in this tier, but they're slightly underneath. Is Javante Williams and Nick Chubb. Neither of them got any serious, you know, any competition via the draft. Nick Chubb just continues to just churn out. He's one of the best pure runners in the league, just continues to churn out RB1 seasons. And I'm seeing him go for a random first and 110 range. And Javante Williams, I think, is another guy that's a huge winner from the draft. Like, it says that they think he's at least going to be back sooner than later. You know, if they didn't think so, why would they have not taken? They, they had an opportunity to take Charbonnet. They did not. You know, Javante Williams might not be ready right away. So I think both of these guys have become interesting buys for sure and will be getting, when they're both healthy, a lot of the workload. Yeah, Javante's light years better than Zach Charbonnet. <laughs> so yes. That, so yes. that's why they didn't take him. But I agree with you because that shows Sean Payton says, okay, I have a young running back here coming off an ACL injury. 
And I have no interest in adding a day two running back, even a day three guy. So they're confident in him. That means his recovery is doing very well. He, he's going to probably be on time for at least week one or two. You got Shamaje Piran there. That's a good third down back, and he's a really good pass protector. So that's the only worry I have. But Javante does have really good hands, and he showed that at the start of last year mm-hmm. with Russ. And Russ likes to hit his running backs a lot out of the flat and stuff. So Javante's a really, really talented player. He's a great runner. He's got the size. He's an absolute monster between the tackles. He'll run you over. He'll duke you out. He'll do everything you need. So. He's one of my go-to buy lows because I think I got him for like the 112 a while back, right yeah. after we did the draft picks. Well, we got the rookie fever right now, and I think a yeah. lot of times Nick Chubb and, and Javante Williams aren't those guys you're like, that's sexy. You know, they, but they just get it done when they're, when they're on the football field. The late first areas, and this is where you can start to, you know, have this is where it starts to separate a little bit. But the next tier I have is, is Derrick Henry, J.K. Dobbins, Devin A-Chain, DeAndre Swift, Ooh. and I, I go back and forth between Dalvin and Rashad White, but let's just call it Swift, A-Chain, Dobbins, and Henry. Now, market value on these guys is a late first, you know, and that's where you're at. Derrick Henry, we keep saying it every year that he's too old, you know, move off of him, and then yeah. he has an RB1 season. Now he's 29 years old, and the only reason you want him is if you're all in. J.K. Mm-hmm. Dobbins, Similar area, I think if you're doing a startup, you definitely take Dobbins over Henry. But I think J.K. Dobbins, again, similar to Javante Williams and Nick Chubb, really gave a vote of confidence by not drafting anyone of significance. Yeah, so this tier for me is looking pretty similar for you. But I think I'm going to go with, I have it, um, DeAndre Swift, Derrick Henry, J.K. Dobbins, I want to put Cam Akers in there just because that he he had a really fresh, good draft. I love yeah. Zach Evans, but I think Cam Akers gets it done this year. Contract year, I think they let him walk after this year. Dobbins for sure. Those mm-hmm. contract year running backs, and they're healthy. They're two years off an injury. They're going to eat, and they're going to get fed in those offenses. So I'm pretty similar with you. Eckler is going to be in this tier as well. I had him a little lower than you did, but mm-hmm. – I think these running backs are all good targets at value. And like you said, people are writing off guys like Chubb, Derrick Henry, Eckler, Dalvin. They're too old. They're too this. This is when you can snag them for an early second or late first and get one one or two more good RB years out of these guys. So definitely try to do that in your drafts as well. I think this is the area where I have tiers, but there's such many tiers. There's almost like the difference between where you have, you know, I have Henry and you have Swift and then – Kendra Miller, you know, you're looking at from like late first to early second. I mean, you you, you said Dalvin Cook, Rashad White, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, you know, Damian Pierce, Cam Akers, uh, Charbonnet, Kendra Miller, Kamara. They're all, it's not a yeah, huge difference. Right so it's there, kind of like indeed. pick your guy and get what you can on top of those. Yeah. DeAndre Swift's one I want to talk about because I know you put a thread out there and that was, you know, guys got to check out his work, obviously, at FF Snoog. Um DeAndre Swift's one that scares me, right? So you, we had him at an area where when he's on the football field, he is fantastic. Goes to Philadelphia, the you know the new Georgia program. <laughs> they just clean <laughs> up with all the Georgia guys. But he has the upside to get into the top 10, Easy. right? He mm-hmm. has the, the potential injury risk or, or you know has another bad season to be outside the top 10. 28 easily you know and that's the interesting part with me is we went from him being 
he was going 105 in 2020 when he was in the draft. And, you know, then he had an injury riddled season, then another injury riddled season. And the, the thing that was maddening is the Lions didn't use him. Like they, Justin Jackson was getting on the field and just, he was not, Jamal Williams ended up being that RB1. Philadelphia is going to use him, but how do you see that situation shaping out? Howie Roseman's the greatest GM in football, not even a question. He goes and he gets Penny, they have Gainwell, then he gets Swift for a fourth rounder. Talk to me about why Swift's your guy and what you're, what you're willing to pay to get in here on him, because I love the talent. Yeah, so on one of my most recent tweets, I tweeted, DeAndre Swift finishes the RB21 with only 99 rushing attempts. So that goes to show his receiving upside and what he can do on limited touches. That's where it gets scary. Because I know the Eagles were the best rushing team like ever last year, and they mm -hmm. set records and did all this cool, crazy stuff in the run game. But Jalen Hurts is not a check-down friendly quarterback. He'd rather right. keep it himself. So that's where it gets tough with Swift. But we saw a guy like Miles Sanders rush for 1,200 yards and double-digit mm -hmm. touchdowns, and he's not a big guy either. And I, you could argue Swift is a better pure runner, more elusive, more explosive. He's at, right there with Sanders as a runner. Swift is very good at running the football, and people try to deny him for that. He's just injured. He gets concussions. He came out as an injured player. If he can somehow stay on the field, he definitely can hit that top 10 upside. And he's one of the more talented running backs in, in the NFL for sure. And I've always been a Swift guy. So from a non-biased standpoint, I said both sides of it. If he catches 30, 40 passes in that offense, which he easily should, then he's going to be a top 10 guy if he stays healthy. Yeah, and I mean, you look at, even if he's just a juiced up version of, of what Kenny Gainwell was, I mean, Kenny Gainwell yeah. had 79 targets the last two years in, in limited roles. You know, so mm -hmm. I think what we were able to see him once he got into the playoffs, I mean, they were they were targeting Gainwell quite a bit. Miles Sanders was that in-between-the-tackles guy. I think Penny's obviously going to be involved a little bit closer to that in-between-the-tackle guy, but let's let's see how it goes. He's going to be um, on the IR. <laughs> probably, you know, the, collectively, like that, I'm, I'm buying Kenny Gainwell cheap everywhere because Swift and Penny are always on the IR. Those guys yeah. are always getting yeah. injured. Um, and I'm, I'm buying him for thirds or getting him as toss-ins. A guy comes to you today and you have Swift, and I offer you the one nine smash or pass. I feel like that's the exact number. I think that's the like exact, yeah. I think that's kind of like, okay, how ballsy am I feeling today type of move? Yeah. Because it's, it's either flat. It. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're talking about if you're at one nine, you're giving up Kincaid or Quentin Johnston. If you're at 110, you're talking more. You know, if it's Flowers Johnson, or, I'm taking yeah. Johnson, but Johnson's been going like the 107, 8. It's it's yeah. usually Flowers in my league, so I'm I'm probably gonna lean Flowers, but it's close. I could easily see the Swift argument. Yep. I think if I'm going upside, I'm gonna go Swift because, like you said, Gainwell has been a productive receiving back, and Swift is a better receiving back. So mm -hmm. you bring in Swift, they got him for cheap. They're gonna probably use the heck out of him until they until he's gone. Yep. especially if Penny's gone, someone has to run the football and he's a better runner than Kenneth Gamewell. So I could see it being like a one, two split one, two punch type deal. Just keeping everybody fresh, just the rotation and Swift will stand out if that happens. So. We all love those RBBCs, those running backs by committee. Um, a move every, I just, I actually, like that. <laughs> I just traded Swift for a guy I want to talk about. And a 24 second, I traded Swift for Rashad white and a 24 second. Now I think Rashad white is going to be an, interesting type 
receiver. Like we saw his PPR game is phenomenal. I think the Bucks are going to be trailing quite a bit, but he is not an efficient runner, you know? So that one's the one where right now it's his backfield though. We have to at least look at the opportunity there is there. Leonard Fournette was fantastic last year. Even if people don't like Leonard Fournette, you can't argue with the production that he's had over the last couple of years. And Rashad White, I think, catches 60, 70 balls, no problem. So he's potential like a sleeper back-end RB1. Not saying I think he's going to be right there, but I could. It, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah, my tweet today, Leonard Fournette, RB16 last year in 15-ish games, 226 points. White has a safe floor, 50-60 catches. Everyone's just blabbing on the tweet, kind of, oh, Baker Mayfield's not a dump-off guy. He's missing Tom Brady now who likes to dump it off. When there's nothing there, you look to your running back. I don't care who you are. Baker's Mm -hmm. not a running quarterback. He's going to throw the check down. Nick Chubb wasn't a receiving back like him. Kareem Hunt caught passes in Cleveland all years. Baker was there. So if that counterpoints that argument there for everybody tweeting that on my tweet, but Rashad White is a changed value end. though. Yeah, like he was the two hundred two in startups when I did Smash Eight. Yep. Now he they didn't bring in competition, and he's still valued at the two hundred two. Like yeah, he, he did is. not move. Like you know, sometimes we bake in value like a guy is going to get competition, but the market has not corrected on him, Damian Pierce, or Cam Akers. Like they've just been like, oh well, they're early seconds. That's fine, but. None of them got competition. None of them got anything. Yeah, Zach Evans is there in, in I don't think that really says anything against Cam Akers, you know. And then yeah, Devin Singletary's there, but that doesn't affect Damian Pierce either. I mean, these are guys that I think, yes, they don't have, you know, guy like Damian Pierce is is replaceable, but he's gonna be a solid RB two this year as well. I mean, like I think both of these guys provide some value. I know you've talked about Cam Akers already, so we don't need to talk a ton about those. Let's talk about the old heads, right? Like we always got to separate. This is that area where rounds eight, nine, and 10, you can get Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, and Alvin Kamara. Now those are guys that are going to help you win the championship. If you had to have one of those guys, who is that for you? Because some of them started to look like we're getting up there in age and other ones, we'll see what the situation looks like. I think you got to lean Sanders because they have a rookie quarterback coming in who's great. Bryce Young's phenomenal player, but they have a great offensive line. They've built that offense up. I know it's a lot of mid, but they got guys on there that can make plays. So Sanders going to be a guy that they lean on, especially early on. He he's one of those guys that's so volatile. He'll have thirty point games and then mm-hmm. ten point games, but. He's just such a great runner, and he's going to be a grinder in between the tackles. So I think Sanders – and I also think he's going to finally hit the receiving upside that he always has had. He might be able to now. Philly never gave it to him. He's a good receiving back. They, like, like turned him into not a receiving back. Yes. I'm a Penn State guy, and I was like, this is – this is a Saquon Barkley light. He can catch the passes. He can get it yeah, done. And then they're like, great. nope, we're just going to run him in between on first yeah. and second down and bring in Boston Scott. But yeah, I'm he's with you there. You know, like there. Mung and I were going back and forth on that. And I mean, is he going to score 12 touchdowns again? Probably not, but he, he could, will, he, he could easily be in that thousand yard area and eight to 10 touchdowns. So I, I like that. Um, Frank Rack loves to feed the backs. He's going to get fed in Carolina, in my opinion. For sure. So let's talk uh, Let's talk Dalvin Cook. I thought Dalvin Cook had some injuries last year. Between Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon, I think Joe Mixon looked a little bit more washed than Dalvin. You know, mm-hmm. I thought Dalvin had – Dalvin 
only real composition is Alexander Madison, you know, and they, I feel like they still keep it going the same way. They're talking about trading him. Joe Mixon is a, is extremely cheap right now, but he was just volume dependent last year. You know, I, I think when we were watching things, if you take away, he was an RB one, I think he finished RB eight. You take away his 50 point performance where he had five touchdowns. Then he's sitting firmly RB 14, RB 15. Um, talk to me about Joe Mixon and, Cincinnati goes out and gets a little bit of competition at least. Yeah, they beefed up that old line. So I kind of liked the landscape for Joe Mixon going into 2023, but he's just had some sketchy situations happening off the field. And that that there was some rumors of him getting cut, him getting replaced. If all that is a wash, then Joe Mixon will probably be a top 15 guy again. I agree. I have no, no doubt in my mind he will and, be in an elite offense. So Cincinnati told us that they don't think he's going to get suspended, right? Because the only guy yeah. they took was Chase Brown. They did not. Who I like. You know, I think he's a nice a nice handcuff. I think he's better than Travion Williams or or anything else that's there because yep. – Chase Brown has is some nice PPR chops. I think he ends up, you know, very productive in college. I think he comes in there as a nice, you know, what we talked about is those guys that are going in rounds two and three as running backs are going to be nice handcuffs. But Cincinnati, if they knew that there was a suspension lo- looming, just like the Saints on the other end think that there's a suspension coming to take Kendra Miller. If Cincinnati knew that, they're not rolling with Chase Brown as their RB1. The if they knew round, that, no they way. would go in there and they would have taken a guy in early second round and kind of went that yeah. way. And I, I'm with you. I'm kind of buying there. Let's move to K- Kamara and Kendra Miller, two of your favorite players now on the same team. You know, you, you ultimately almost like to see them on different teams, but how do you see the saints backfield breaking out? Cause Jamal Williams is still there. Kendra Miller, you know, gets really good draft capital and Alvin Kamara, who I'm super excited for this year to be paired up with David Carr, where we could actually see, or Derek Carr, Jesus. <laughs> it's been a long day, double podcast. But <laughs> David Carr, man, that guy, that guy's still seeing ghosts. That <laughs> sacked like 200 times. But uh, let's talk Kamara, Jamal Williams, and Kendra Miller. How do you see that breakdown? So Kendra and Kamara are definitely the winners there. I think Kendra stands out the most because you got a 20-year-old 20, 20 running back with two 28-year-old running backs. One of them's just not great. He's good at one-yard touchdowns, and that's about it. Good pass blocker. But Kamara, it's, I think that draft pick says points towards the suspensions coming or something's happening, and I don't want to think about it because that's my dog. But I prefer maybe a trade, trade to Buffalo or yeah, Kansas you know. City, swoop in. <laughs> but, no, yeah, that, that's coming. I expect it. I'm expecting it. So Kamara's – the lightning to Kendra's thunder. If it doesn't happen, if he stays the same and gets four game suspension, then you got a guy like Kendra Miller and a big up stick offense that took a couple big improvements, especially up front. So you're going to have Rams check healthy again. Kendra's could be a 10 touchdown score in year one. And you could have AK catching 70 plus passes like he always does. Cause Derek Carr is a check down machine. I know he likes the deep ball, but he loves his check down. So essentially, out of all this, Jamal Williams is valueless to me, and I am not touching him anywhere. If you can get any second or even pair a third and get a second. Get rid of him. He's valueless to me. So we're on Kendra Miller. I have bought – I'm in 13 leagues. I got Devin A-Chain in nine. So I think he gets – pairing his speed, his explosiveness with – you know, the the system they run there in Miami. Miami was that position where we wanted everybody to go. I think he ultimately 
if he gets the opportunity in it. And yes, he can't shoulder the load for 25 carries. Like, that is not going to happen. But this is someone who I think is just super explosive. How close do you have A-Chain and Kendra Miller in your rankings? Yeah, Kendra is my RB3 and A-Chain is my RB4. So they're right okay. there with each other. But I could see Kendra. I know it's stupid to say because obviously the Dolphins is a better landing spot. But I think third round draft capital, fourth running back taken in the draft, Kendra Miller. He has workhorse size, very good grinder. He's a slasher between the tackles. He's going to have that backfield to himself, hopefully, in a year or two. Maybe even this year. You might have like a 28-year. If one guy gets injured in that backfield and it's not Kendra, he's going to have a really, really good production. And he could have a very strong end to the season. I change just a lightning speed player. He he fits great in that Dolphins offense. It's all speed and yak, and he's the best in the class behind Gibbs at that. So yeah, he's like a Jameer Gibbs light for me. Right. So yeah. Exactly. My three, but I just think I well, and he could have a career arc. I think when I look at him, I see like some Tony Pollard. You know, he could have a yeah, career arc where he's yeah. a little bit undersized and he's the he's the one B. I think Mostert's still he's not going away until he gets injured week four, like usual. <laughs> but like there's nothing else there in Miami. So I mean if we can get, you know, eight eight carries and six receptions per game, I mean, I feel like that's in the range of outcomes for, for Devin A chain. Yeah. And I like both of those guys over Charbonnet right now. Yeah. Um I like twelve carries. 12, What's that? 12, maybe 13 carries. Yeah, yeah, you ain't going to get too much more. I mean, he's smaller than both of you and I. Uh, let's yeah. talk about a couple more guys here. Um, we'd be, I mean, Khalil Herbert obviously gets the the competition there of Roshan Johnson. Is it Johnson, is it Herbert, or is it our man Deontay Foreman? How much of a split do you see there? Because some analysts are out there like, hey, Khalil Herbert, RB1 season, and I think both Roshan Johnson and Deontay Foreman are good enough that we're going to try to see a committee that the main rusher with the most touchdowns is still Justin Fields. Yeah, I think Roshan's the most talented out of that group, and I think eventually he is going to be the RB1, the head of that backfield, because he's the biggest body. He's the best pass blocker out of those, and that's crucial. When you get a guy like Justin Fields getting smoked for like 12 sacks every two weeks, mm-hmm. you're going to need a big body back that can step up and take on a linebacker and edge rusher head to head. And that's where he stands out most. And he's easily the best pass catcher out of that group. So I think Roshan Johnson is, he's actually like my RB six in dynasty, like mm-hmm. in the rookie rankings. Okay. Um, I want to move into that too. For right sure. after so Charbonnet good. for me. So yeah. Roshan is definitely the go-to guy there. I'm not really high on Khalil Herbert at all with that addition in the fourth round. So he, he gets a massive fall for me. And I think Roshan's definitely going to be the guy by the end of the season, if not next year. I like it. Um, one more guy before we move to our rookie rankings is, is James Cook. So everyone is taking their victory lap on James Cook right now. I'm still just buying Damian Harris for a third instead of paying up for James yeah. Cook. You know, like in Smash 9, I was able to get Lamar and the 112 for, you know, James Cook and Trevor Lawrence. Because shout out, you know, to the guys in Smash 9. You and I are both in there. And it's it was been a blast. You know, like we'll, we'll get our rookie draft going once we actually finish the real draft. So we'll see what I get at 112. But um, are you buying in on James Cook? You know, we come to you right now, and I think the value on James Cook is 201. So if I come to you, you have James Cook, I say 201, smash or pass? Smash. I'm taking the 201 in that deal. Yeah. Um, James Cook is a very good change of pace back, and he's actually a really good receiving back as well. 
so he gets the up stick, but I think Harris is just going to be there to vulture the the goal line touchdown yeah. from and him. We still but... have two guys floating out there that no one seems to want to talk about is Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette. They do not exactly. have a home. They're going to ruin someone's day. I think, know? And I think Leonard City Fournette. Or Buffalo is probably yeah. one of those two yeah. guys. So, yeah. I mean, like, I have not rung the bell and said, go buy Isaiah Pacheco, go buy James Cook, because it's they're not out of the water yet. So, let's talk about them rookie rankings because that's what everybody wants to hear. I have Bijan in a tier by himself. I have Gibbs in a tier by himself. You won't like it, but I have A-Chain in a tier by, by himself. And then yeah. I have I have Charbonnet and Miller. You know, and I think um, I, I'm, I, I have zero shares of Kendra Miller out of my 13 drafts. And talking to you, I'm like, I should have more. Uh, those guys are kind of chalk, so we don't need to get totally into that. I have Spears as my six, and you have Roshan as your six. I think Spears is getting, you know, he's pretty much holding his knees together with, with tape now. Um, you know, he's got old, he's got old man knees like me. He's got arthritis and stuff, but the upside there for PPR in a one to two year window is very high. I think with Tajay Spears, if he can get out there, they don't have a pass catcher. That's an offense. That's going to be trailing quite a bit in my assumption. And a 29 year old Derrick Henry could go down to injury. So that's kind of why I put him there, but let's talk about that next group. So you have Roshan. We have already talked to him. Let's say the next two guys are Tank Bigsby and Chase Brown for me. Do you have anybody else above them? And let's talk about both of those guys. Because Tank Bigsby, you know, doesn't get the ideal situation, but gets good draft capital in the 60s. You know, now he's the backup to Travis Etienne. And Chase Brown is now the backup to Joe Mixon. Which one of those would you rather have? And, and what kind of value are you seeing on those guys? I think you have to go with Tank because he got the day two draft capital. And mm-hmm. he's playing behind an elite running back in my opinion, who was insanely good last year in his rookie season, but he's an elite handcuff and he's definitely one of the better handcuffs behind Zach Charbonnet right now. So tank Bigsby's definitely my seven. And I think you got to look at it. Like if ETN does go down or if ETN slows down a little bit and starts to get banged up, they're going to lean on tank to be that between the tackles grinder, even if he's not getting receiving work at all, because he's not going to probably touch the ball out of the backfield, but he'll be like a 10 to 12 carry guy between the tackles, almost like how the saints used to use Latavius Murray when Alvin Kamara was there. Mm-hmm. And he was an RB three, four ish, like decent week to week, like reflex play maybe sometimes. Cause he'd get that, maybe that one, two yard touchdown. So, that's how I view Tank. It's kind of just like an RB3, 4-ish. And if you get him in the early third or even late second rookie drafts, I'm smashing that because he is a good player. He's, he's a good grinder. He's good at what he does. He either makes you your jaw drop on tape or you say, what the hell is this guy doing? He looks like an idiot out there. So Tank is good value. Him, I mean, but he, he is good value. In the 13 drafts that I've done across Smash Except, he has gone the earliest at 207, the latest at 301. And I feel like that's a pretty good value for, again, we talk about these guys. Bijan and Gibbs are starter material. They're going to be phenomenal. I think A-Chain Miller are, are starter material. Charbonnet could be in that area. Spears is a backup. Tank is a backup. But they're elite level handcuffs. Same with Roshan Johnson. And, and Chase Brown, I kind of like. I move him into that area. Then... The next couple here, I mean, I don't know how you have yours right now. I love Zach Evans' pre-draft. I know you did too. It's hard to really get off too far, but I have Evans, Abanaconda, Gray, and Hull in that next area, and I think Evans ultimately has the most talent there for sure. 
Um, but these guys right now, Evans is going in the third, like mid to late third. Abanaconda's going early third. Gray and Hull are both going. I have his sleepers going late third. All these guys are in that third round pick. Who's that? Who would you take the best, you know, shot on here, and who has the most upside? It's got to be Zach Evans because he was a number one recruit coming out. He was a very talented, efficient player. He's a slasher in between the tackles, and he showed that at TCU and Ole Miss. Ole Miss didn't use him. They didn't cater him to his strengths. They kind of kept him as an outside stretch guy, and he's a slasher between the tackles. That's how you got to use him. Cam Akers was a ticking time bomb last year. I know he had a great stretch to the end of the season, but it's basically those two in that backfield. If Cam Akers goes down, Zach Evans could have an insanely good productive rookie year out of nowhere. And you don't see it too much with six-round picks, but I think something might have happened in his interviews or something. He might have smacked the coach in the face or something and fought one of the coaches because – I don't know how he went sixth round and guys like Evan Hole went over him, but yeah, the guy well, I like a lot too is Deuce Vaughn. Yep, I, I have him like in there too. His landing spot is good and I like him for sure. Yeah, I think we get into an area where it's just like these are the guys who we're, we're taking a shot on. Um, what about Eric Gray? You know, Eric Gray becomes the RB2 now behind Saquon Barkley. He got fifth round draft capital, goes considerably higher than, than Evans there, which is crazy to me, but He's that opportunity. If, if we say that Gray was the backup, or if Evans was the backup to Saquon in that offense and he went in the fourth round, it's a totally different situation. I mean, if, if Evans got fourth-round draft capital, he moves up there. But sixth-round draft capital, you're looking at a really, really low hit rate. So that's where we kind of start to debate things a little bit. What did you see from tape on Eric Gray? And then we already talked about Hull, so talk to me about Deuce Vaughn as well. Yeah, Eric Gray is almost like a Walmart version of DeAndre Swift, in my said, opinion. We we say DeAndre Swift light. We're going Walmart version. That's that. How many tiers down off of DeAndre Swift yeah. is that? Many, like okay. a couple of steps down. Is there, but, a, is there a Target version? Is that slightly above Walmart where you pay a little bit extra to stay yeah. away from people you don't like? Yeah, but I I can't think of one off the top of my head. But he he's probably we'll start working Wal- on that. He's a Walmart run one for me right now because he just does everything Swift does just not as well um but this is where it gets interesting in this tier that we have of all these handcuffs when you have a tier of all the handcuffs you got to look at who is the worst running back that the handcuff is backing up and I think it's Cam Akers and who's the most talented running back in this group Zach Evans so that's my theory on why I'm drafting Zach Evans everywhere is I think he has the best chance at good playing time year one but Gray, the situation with Saquon, he's not a giant as of right now. So, And there's nobody else in that backfield. I think it's like Matt Breida. Mm-hmm. So that could get interesting there. So Eric Gray is a guy I've been prior- prioritizing in the fourth round of my rookie drafts as well. For sure. Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn's going to be the lightning to Tony Pollard's thunder. And that's crazy to say because Pollard was the, thun- or the lightning to Zeke's thunder last year. But the roles are changing. Pollard's going to have to put his big boy pants on and start – taking the ball between the tackles and doing more there. And you got a fun guy. He's like a gadget player for uh, Dak to have fun with. It's like getting your new race car when you're a kid. Deuce Vaughn, you're going out there, and he's going to make everybody miss and look foolish on their face and fall. But Deuce Vaughn's a guy I've been trying. I actually traded two third round – or I traded my 2025 second for Deuce Vaughn and two twenty four thirds. Okay. Today, and I Just got the Deuce side. Mitigate Not- a little risk. What I've been doing with these guys is I've been like selling my 24 second 
and trying to get one of these guys or 24 second and like a 23 third to move into these areas and get some of these not the higher up guys on there we actually have two more questions that actually just got sent in um i'm going to try to pronounce them right but the first one's from trevor sildek sildlecki he said he loved tucker him as as high as an undrafted free agent obviously with the heart condition there i mean how he wasn't able to be drafted but tampa bay signed him immediately can you take him? I have not seen him drafted in any of the top three rounds across Smash. We're getting into the fourth round, and is he a guy to take a flyer on, or is this too too risky? Yeah, he's definitely a guy you got to take the flyer on because he was good at Syracuse and very good. I know he fell down people's boards a lot towards the end, mine especially, but he's really good at what he does, and he's a great athlete. He's very good athlete, so you got to take a guy like that and he he's playing behind Rashad White and Keyshawn Vaughn. He's better than Vaughn. I don't care what anybody says. I know he went undrafted, but mm-hmm. that health issue is why he went undrafted. If he can overcome that, work through it, show who he is, show his heart and just play good football, he he's going to be that good handcuff right behind Rashad White and he could eat into Rashad White's playing time cuz you could argue that Tucker's a better pure runner than Rashad White. I like it. Uh, fan of the show, Ty House submitted his rankings when he saw yours and mine, and very similar on that. He had Tucker in that same area as Gray. Great list there, my man. And one more question from Keith Austin. He said, hey, why you guys keep – he said, y'all keep quiet about McBride. I like that so I can get him. So let's let's talk McBride a little bit. I mean, he, he has fallen down a little bit, but I think he's he's a decent value in that fourth round as well. Yeah, just another late round dart throw for me at the running back position. Well, and that's what you do in fourth round, right? Yeah. The fourth round, I have to preface this is if your wide receivers go after round four, the hit rate is like four percent. It's really, really bad. So go in the fourth round, the third, fourth round. If you're debating between a running back and a wide receiver, go running back. If you're in the fourth round, don't even mess with the wide receivers because the hit rate is nothing. If you can get a guy like this that has an ultimately he's not the guy that's the backup but he's the guy that is the backup's backup who could pan out. Yeah, so it's, it's we're at that moment now where you close your eyes and you throw the dart at the dartboard, and hopefully you hit the bullseye or you hit your friend in the back. So Sometimes I ask my kids, I'm like, which name <laughs> do you like better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, McBride's another guy. Just People were super high on him coming out, especially the scouts. They had him as a day-two guy. Mm-hmm. That didn't look well. Um, he's a two-down grinder. He, he was good between the tackles. He was one of the better guys after contact. I think he was like best in the class at yards after contact this year. But he's a G5 guy. The seventh-round draft capital is just another late-round flyer. So treat him as a handcuffs handcuff and take a shot on him in the fourth round. As long as Zach Evans and Deuce Vaughn aren't on the board, I'm fine wherever you take McBride in the fourth round. I love it. Hey, this was our first just you and I vibing on it. It was fantastic. You know, you guys got to follow him at FF Snoog. We're going to be coming out, Smash or Pass podcast, every Thursday. You got to check it out. We're going to be live every Tuesday for you guys that watch it on YouTube. Another chance here, like, my man has been killing it with content. Tell everybody what you're working on. And, I mean, man, it's, it's just exciting because this first podcast felt really good. Yeah, so I've been focusing on tons of pre-draft stuff, but the draft's over now, so it's time to transition to post-draft. So I'm focusing on putting up rankings for you guys, where to draft what rookie. I know many people haven't done their rookie drafts yet. We're ahead of the curve because we're addicted to this crap. But I'm going to be posting out rankings, where to draft guys. I'm going to do mocks, stuff like that. I'm going to be inviting tons of you guys to my mocks, posting links on Twitter, 
mock with me, kind of get a feel before you do your real rookie drafts and stuff. You always want to be ahead of the curve, know where guys are falling so you can take advantage and move like throughout your draft. So make sure you follow me at FFSnoog on Twitter. Me and dad have tons of big things. The future ahead is bright. So stay tuned, follow us, and make sure you subscribe to the Patreon. I love it. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process. Man, we couldn't even keep